listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot some. I can't remember. I don't know, like, their contract is what? Yeah, they, they keep where it comes out. Yeah. yeah. That's not contract. Didn't microphone do that for a while? Well, yeah, that's Here we go, everybody. Evan here. Ryan is joining me. Hello. Pines and Provisions podcast. We are so happy to be back at our home base here at Poor Brothers Tap Room. Yeah, it's been, what, three weeks, maybe four weeks? It's been a little while. A little we while. did the Mary and Barry episode here last, uh, and then our last podcast was actually at the North Peoria Craft Beer, Beer Fest there at the Fox. So good to be back here. Um, we always appreciate their hospitality and always the pour the experience uh, on the wall and it never never is a stop here without going upstairs to slow handcraft barbecue so head upstairs get some barbecue come back down here have a beer i know that after school's out this friday for my kids we're going to head down here i think the kids want pizza uh, but hopefully the weather's nice we're going to sit out on their uh, patio out here which uh, you can grab a beer and a in a cup, take it out there, eat it, uh, eat food from Brienzo's, uh, eat food from upstairs. So I like how they do that, and the kids can run around and have whatever they want. We will be here Saturday for basically the same type of agenda. For live, they have live music live both music. T- both nights, and uh, it'll be a good outdoor experience, assuming the rain stays away, but it'll yeah, be warm please, finally. Please. We're on a brisk 56-degree uh, mid, like mid to late May day. <laughs> Thinking about the kids getting Illinois. out of school and this weather is just doesn't compute. I don't know. 43 degrees, uh, I think it was last night or two nights ago. But it's supposed to warm up this weekend, and hopefully the weather will cooperate, and um, we'll have some good live music. We'll probably do a combination of barbecue and uh, and Brienzo's. We yeah. got some family coming to town for Memorial Day weekend, and kind of the same thing as you guys. Yeah, everybody can be happy that way. Uh, especially the dads and moms. Uh, I know my wife will, will enjoy a good beer. So so we started out with the Master of Karate by Aslan. So thank Mark uh, Andrew for the hookup here with some of the Aslan Great IPAs. Hookup. We have had these on the podcast before. When they went into cans, they kind of had a little bit of, I think, consistent consistency issues. But that's okay. They've dialed it in now. What do you think? These are great. Great. Absolutely great. Uh, we talked about before, Aslan out of Herndon, Virginia, uh, does a great job with stouts and IPAs, but uh, they definitely had, at least from our opinion, or at least what was mailed to us, yeah. some issues with canning, probably at least for six months or so once oh, yeah. they got it going, because you and I, probably right when they first opened up, got a crawler of Master of Karate, and it oh. was at the time... One of the top to, IPAs. It was probably one of the best IPAs I had ever had at that point in time. And oh, that was probably yeah. three years ago. And then we had it again out of one of their first canning canning runs. Yep. And um, it was kind of slushy, really uh, kind of almost like a, like a grayish, yep. grayish orange, hazy IPA. So that, you know, the, the whole body was off from the beginning. We knew it was probably not going to work out. But um, this is this is dialed in perfectly. I love and, it. And... Uh, he sent us a couple others, so uh, we'll try another one tonight, and uh, hopefully it's just as good. But yeah. go, go Aslan. Thanks, Mark, and uh, it's delicious. Yeah, this is it's a really good start to what we're going to get into, which is some fun beers. Um, I will tell you that... Oh, Kyle, speaking of tell you... We have a guest. We have a guest. Um, I, I mean, I consider Kyle less of a guest and more of a uh, periodic co-host. <laughs> yeah, Kyle is... Uh, going to join us 
Kaplan. We're going to get into our beers of the week, and that'll give him an opportunity to get something off the tap wall and um, join us. So what was your beer of the week, Ryan? Well, we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but I was at Dark Lord Day. Um, Dirk so we Lord. know. Dirk Lord. <laughs> All of our listeners have listened to Dark Lord Day from last year. Oh, know what my favorite, favorite beer of the of the day was, or of the week was. It was Marshmallow Hangi by and Three it lived Floyds. up. 2019 lived up. 2019 to draft lived up to the hype. It was phenomenal. Um, DJ and uh, Mr. Ravenscroft were able and kind enough to give me a pour of their 2014 Hangi. Oh, the Blue Wax from five years ago, obviously. It was holding up tremendously well, uh, so that was delicious too. But uh, yeah, 2019 on draft was a vanilla bomb. It was a long wait in line, but uh, you know yeah. we've talked about before where you're either standing around under a tent drinking some beer, or you're standing in line waiting for a good draft drinking some beer. So yeah, yeah. nice uh, 15% pour of uh, barrel aged <laughs> stout of barrel aged vanilla heaven. Yeah. All right, so Kyle's got some cans on. He's got a mic. Hey, he's got a beer. So thanks for joining us. No problem. All right. So we were talking about the best beer in the world ever made. On the planet. On the planet. In the universe. In the universe. Um, he had 2019 Hangi's best beer of the week. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed anything other from Dark Lord Day. So shout out to DJ. Shout out to John Ravenscroft. Those guys were fun to hang out with last year. Yep. I couldn't come this year. Um, which we'll get into at some other time and podcast in the future because I'll have a little retreat. I can only get so many hall passes, um, you know, for these kind of events. So I saved mine for something upcoming. Uh, I'll go ahead and do my beer of the week. And I will say that since it's been a little while, it was actually from my trip out to San Diego, which was uh, at Modern Times. Modern Times in San Diego has lots of great beers. They have a couple locations out there. Uh, they have a lot of good stouts, barrel-aged stouts. They've got um, lots of good hazy IPAs. But my favorite out there was uh, Modern Eden. It was their barrel-aged Saison with pineapples at 7.3%. And it was phenomenal. I mean, when you get to sip on things like Monsters Park and some of their double dry hopped IPAs, and you go to a Saison like that, that just kind of, it just begs for something salty, something like oily to eat with it. It just was so good. So they have a lot of names that are consistent, that change just with some variants and um, adjuncts and things like that. So is Eden, is that their Saison series that they... I believe so. ...probably changed some flavor profiling throughout different yeah. batches and stuff? And it was, I mean, okay. it just was perfect. The, Lovely. The place out there, when you walk in, uh, it's got... They roast their own coffee, which is one of the first breweries, I believe, they claim. Oh, I believe it. Roasts their own coffee. So you can go over to their coffee bar. That's the first thing my wife did was go over there and get like a espresso. I went for the beer. But um, another cool thing that they did on tap is they had a grapefruit sparkling water. Perfect. So you could go up there and get like a grapefruit <laughs> sparkling water for like a dollar. And so you do that and then they've got... Good pa palate cleanser. And I know your wife loves sparkling water as it is. And so. Yeah. And I think their whole... Uh, decor in that place was really cool. They had a huge wall with a mural that was completely made of sticky notes. Um, and they had kind of a very retro eclectic appearance. Like the, the base of the bar was all stacked books. They had some velvet paintings of some of their, um, I think they've got like a program where you can contribute and be an owner. And they've got like some velvet paintings of some of the, the more prominent ones, I guess, or some of the people in the, that they think are very important to them, which is kind of cool. But had a totally good, like, San Diego vibe. It's a great place. But Modern Eden was one of those that just stuck out. I like that. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't think I mentioned this, but when I was an angry chair in Tampa, the artwork, the artist that does all of their artwork on their bottles, they have paintings of his yeah. in their tap room, which it's just kind of cool to keep the theme going. And it's some of the characters from the bottles, but they're in different settings and things yeah. like that. And it kind of just... It's unique artwork. It's very strange if you just look at uh, the yeah. labels on oh, the yeah. beer. Yeah. But it's really cool to kind of go with the vibe of the brewery and just kind of some unique unique themes to it on the wall of the tap room. I yeah. like that. All right. Go for it, Kyle. He had a, we were giving him enough time to look it up. Yeah. Could you tell I was frantically trying to uh, find some more information <laughs> on this? Well, I always ramble, so I'm sure the listeners just weren't surprised. <laughs> no, you gave me just enough time. Um, <clears throat> so putting me on the spot here, but if I had to uh, single one out, 
I'd say it's a beer from my uh, home away from home, from the Funk Factory Guzzeria in yes. Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, the halfway point between here and Shawano, Wisconsin, where I've been spending too much time lately. <laughs> they uh, they had a uh, Danish American Saison, which Ooh. I believe I brought back a bottle for you. Yes. Uh, having, I won't say most of what they brew, but a lot of what they've brewed for the past few months, that's probably the most unique beer they have. Interesting. It's a, uh, a future age Saison with local farm-grown barley from Wisconsin mm-hmm. and McKellar Broghaven's um, indigenous, indigenous yeast culture. Mm-hmm. It's a little intercontinental collaboration there. And uh, just the different yeast really, really makes it up, and it was phenomenal. I went back for seconds there. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I think when you said, hey, I'm here, uh, here's the menu, what do you want? And I picked that because it sounded really interesting and different. And it sounds like I just got lucky. So I'm excited to, to put that in the refrigerator and pop that sometime with some uh, people who will enjoy it. You asked for the bottle and they had it on draft. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And then wow. I grabbed myself a bottle yes. as well. <laughs> okay, good, good. That sounds like fun. Well, nice. Yeah, that place is uh, always serving up some good stuff. We've had four winters. Is that right? Did yeah. I say that right? Four winters. The last I think four winters. More. The, the last, last four winters. winters yeah. uh, once, I think that was at our holiday share. We did a, the holiday share. And it was fantastic. We joked about if it had Just. a Cantillon label on yeah. it and a limited bottle quantity, yeah. it'd be a several, several uh, zeros on the value for the bottle, and <laughs> everyone would be uh, it'd be on the hype train, and oh, yeah. everyone would be all after it and everything well, else. That one was bracketed by a Dre Fontaine before it and a Cantillon after it, and I think it uh, held up just fine. Oh, no, oh yeah, for it sure. It its own. There's, there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, Ryan, I think you need to tell us a little bit about this crazy stout that has a uh, white wax top with a coffee with a bean? coffee bean like um, sunk into the wax. <laughs> I like this. Which only time I've ever seen this, and uh, I think other breweries need need to follow suit. This is a cool idea, and I think I might keep this bottle because of just the cool bean on top and everything else so but i think you got a story to go along with this well yeah so uh what we're drinking it's by valiant brewing company out of orange california so that's kind of in the like irvine um long beach area and the beer is called marshmallow Quarent quarantium or sorry quantarium quantarium very poor pronunciation <laughs> can't believe you didn't know that word I've been Googling Quarentium for like two <laughs> weeks to try to get some history on this, and no wonder I got zero <laughs> results. Marshmallow Quantarium. It's a 17% Russian Imperial Stout. They actually call it a Russian Mega Stout. Yeah, I saw that. I said Mega, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. With marshmallow and coffee. And the description is, it's difficult to top off an already amazing beer, but we did it again. This time we've gone after adding more complexity to our Russian Mega Stout, pulling out all the stops. We incorporate that sweet, gooey vanilla flavor of marshmallows, making this imperial stout like truly one-of-a-kind experience. The hardest part will be restraining yourself from opening up another bottle. I'm not for sure the year on this. I don't think it says on the bottle. I think it was either 2015 or 16. So I don't know what you guys think about it. Um, It's definitely warmed up a little bit, uh, and rightfully so. And I yeah, think it's, no, it's, it's getting better as it warms, it obviously. Is, I think it's phenomenal. Um, 17% came as a surprise. <laughs> mega, that's, a, that's, that's what you call <laughs> mega stout. Yeah, I mean, all I get on the nose is Russian Imperial Stout and heavy, heavy vanilla. Yeah, like vanilla hits you in the face. I love it. I love it. Well, we, we all know vanilla is your favorite adjunct. <laughs> that's and true. That's, and that's for good reason. Yeah. Vanilla is very uh, popular. It's very. It kind of has a lot of smoothness. It's, it's sweet. It it it. It just goes really well when you talk about this, like a stout that's got a lot of heavy viscosity and bitterness. It just yeah, that vanilla goes really well for that. Yeah, and so the interesting thing about this, and and I'll say that uh, in one of our Facebook groups that I acquired this in, the uh, the there was a lot of people from California that were talking it up. Yep. And then I just said, all right, I'll go for it. I'll, I'll uh, you know, do whatever. I don't remember what the, the trade was, but said, I'll, I'll get it. Everyone's talking it up and whatnot, saying it's a legit big deal. It's not just true hype train or whatever. And um, I know those people are anxious to uh, hear about how, 
how we enjoyed it um, because there's a big story story with this brewery about uh, I guess they were one of the premier breweries in California. They started in um, they started in 2008, 2008, 2009. Okay. So really ahead of the game. They made lagers, they made IPAs, they made Russian mega stouts. I mean, think about in 2014, 15, who was making 17% stouts. I mean, it was very little people. Jay Wakefield wasn't yet. Brewery out of... Dogfish Head. Maybe Dogfish Head. Worldwide Stout. Avery. Floyd's. Avery's the only one I can think of. Avery. So very few people were doing this. Um, And apparently the people in this area were just in love with this brewery. And all of a sudden, on March 5th of 2017... Uh, their owner posts a letter to their fans and, and customers and everything on the internet um, on their website and basically says that they are closing up shop at the end of the month. And it's a really, really long-winded letter, but long story short, it basically said that um, their operations were essentially too expensive to run and they had to pump money in as a, as a family multiple times to keep the business going. And they just weren't seeing enough profits to like yield return on what cash they had infused. And to kind of keep things going, they would have had to get an outside investor or something like that. And that was one thing from the start that they refused to do. And they just... Interesting. For whatever reason, and there's there's not a lot of details on exactly why they're, that's their position, but they just said... They wanted, long, to, own, they wanted story, to own it themselves. Long story short, at this point in time, we want to own... Our principle from day one was to own this place um, 100%. Yep, and we've pumped all the money we can into it, and so we have to we have to shut it down. And so they gave about four weeks' notice. I'm sure maybe the employees had a little bit more, but from what I've heard and talked with some of the people that were hyping this up, they just said everyone in the area was kind of distraught when this came out because they were making great IPAs and one of the few making 17% smooth drinking, tasty uh, barrel aged stouts. So it's kind of one of a kind. It's a 500 milliliter bottle. And uh, I don't know. I just thought it's kind of an interesting story. And you think about some of the places that have, uh, you know, a lot of places with this whole in, in influx of new breweries hitting the scenes um, are struggling or have had to shut their doors or stop expansions or reduce capacity and stuff. So it's interesting to see a place that kind of did this, you know, two years ago was probably when it was still getting flooded with new breweries every day. Um, so maybe they did it a little bit early, but it's kind of an interesting story when it sounds like they were making some really great stuff, and it just they couldn't figure out a way to make it work. Or they lost their they lost their rears on how much vanilla it took to make this beer. Well, so this is great that we have <laughs> two brewers here to kind of <laughs> you guys know the cost of making beer and everything else, and just I just think it's an interesting story and and want want to know your guys' thoughts on on all that. I. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, after, I mean, this is a time of a lot of boom in craft beer when you've got over 7,000 craft breweries, almost 8,000 craft breweries, but you've also got a bust with a lot of these mediocre halfway, you know, and you've got to have this really interesting, I feel like, um, bend or uh, low, not logo, but like motto or like go to modern times and it's all very like retro. You know, like that's their thing, and then they bring in the coffee thing, and it kind of sets them apart from other places in San Diego. But San Diego's not an easy place to hit it For big sure. in a craft brewery. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, here in Peoria, we got Bearded Owl, and their thing is like Prairie inspired. They use a lot of interesting ingredients that are local, um, foraged almost, not foraged to the point of like scratch, but no. kind of foraged. And Nick down there likes, and PJ, they like to use a lot of interesting new yeasts and things like that. You know, and that kind of gives them a, a, a something that sets them apart from somebody else. And maybe they just didn't have, they make, it, make a great beer, but their ambiance, their brewery, their labeling just didn't set them apart from everyone else. And they could, or they were in the wrong part of town. Yeah. They were brewing beer for the wrong people. You know, you kind of have to brew to your crowd. And, you know, as much as you may want to make like hazy IPAs all day or barrel-aged stouts, you know, if you're in a working class area... Maybe you should be making pilsners and lagers. Yeah. So it's 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 hard to say as to why they didn't, but if you're in an area that's just complete, you know, oversaturation of breweries, you may find it hard to separate yourself from everyone. So so two thoughts with that, and then I know I don't want to cut Kyle off before he gets going. But so one is think about Monkish, 
who coincidentally is nearby, but they started as like a Trappist-style, European-style brewery. No IPAs. No Their IPAs. Their first thing was no IPAs. And so you just wonder, what if they stuck to that? Would they be in the same boat? Probably and just not. Maybe wouldn't have just Maybe wouldn't have made it. Um, and, and they kind of changed their theory early. And coincidentally, they're very close to Orange, California in Torrance. And then another thought with that is Bottle Logic is like 10 miles from here. Fundamental Observation Batch 1 came out about a year and a half before this came out. Before that did? And then Batch 2 was um, a year later, obviously. So it's like, did the was it just even just a Bottle Logic opening up down the road? Maybe it goes to a little better labeling, and maybe there was, they were doing a little bit. I, I don't know. Fresh, this com- this could compete with the Fundamental Observation, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, but if you look but, at the label, you might pass this over. Bottle Logic got some sexy labeling. Yeah, you might pass this over just in the grocery store. It's like with yeah. wine bottles. Yep. You may not grab a great bottle of wine, but if you you know they, if the label and the artwork jumps out at you, then that's going to catch your eye and that's what's going to grab. It's got marshmallow grab atoms all over it. That would it's grab got marshmallow atoms, yeah. Add the coffee bean on top. Yeah. I will, I'll ask Henry what he thinks about that in a couple weeks when I brew with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, all right. I will ask him. It'll I'll be off the record that. everything. I'm sure he'll at least have some thoughts on Valiant Brewing. I'm I will. Just, actually, I'm that's sure a be good com- question. I'll, I'll actually pick his brain about that yeah. if I have an opportunity. All right. So, Kyle, what do you think about all this? Like, breweries in and out, Succeeding, squandering, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm still trying to rack my brain on these guys. I'd, have you seen their tap room? Did they just have way too big of a space in Orange, California, and it was just too bleeding expensive? Them, just bleeding them dry? There's yeah. not a lot. I mean, they still have a webpage up. There's a little bit of information on the beers that they brewed, but there's not a lot else out there. So it's, I it's feel hard like to tell. And, yeah, maybe they just had too much overhead. Unless um, you're a monkish in that area and you have a line out the door and you sell out everything you brew right after it's released yeah. I just it's got to be difficult to be in that that part of the country yeah they're making maybe four or five times the amount of liquid as like a monkish is maybe it was just they went too big too fast or something like that I don't know yeah you know but then to be open t- like 10 years is a, or eight years or whatever it was that's a long time they were Unless, um, yeah that is a long time I mean you I mean, you got to be able to kind of feel out the market in your area and what works what doesn't work and but again Beers like this and hazy IPAs are very expensive to make. Right. The amount of hops and the amount of vanilla that you have to pay for, especially vanilla lately. Well, Trillium's gone through a bunch of bad PR the last, like, year-ish with different things that, that have come out. And they're, you know, I they've think kind of come out and said, you know, this type of stuff is kind of expensive to make. So, one, a lot of the, you know, I think there was things about them paying their employees too low yeah. and stuff like that but they're like one a lot of that's not true and two it was, yeah. it's not like we're just printing profits like, I can ask him I can ask JC our revenues that too are good but all this stuff is a of lot weeks. of money a lot of cost to make well and I think that at least Trillium probably had a lot of street cred by the time that bad PR hit yeah so they were like ready to kind of weather that a bit um, and I think that they just run a really good business model out there with they're like speaking to the crowd, you know, like they're pretty much other than Treehouse, the first guys who did those hazy IPAs and probably the best. They got a lot of street cred with the brewers in the area, too. They made relationships and things oh, like that sure. that helped them weather storms like that. So, well, it's interesting because you'll find out, you know, we're not obviously, obviously here in central Illinois, we're not in an oversaturated market. And so we don't know what it's like. However, when you look at Peoria Brewing Company, they probably had a very expensive tap room and a very expensive overhead to get to, to begin with, and they didn't. They they failed because of that. That's kind of yeah. where I was going when I was thinking about that. It was that's the first thing that came to mind is most breweries you see are just in the very rundown shack. Like, Any uh, Chicago brewery and starts still out that aren't way. necessarily printing money. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, even you know, you think about some of the big places in Chicago, like Microphone is in an industrial park out by the airport. Other well, nothing sexy about that. Other half in Brooklyn. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, uh, I'll let like you know because I'll brew with Sam too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a little Teaser. sectioned off area in the brewery that people bring lawn chairs, and that's their tap room. You just put a lawn chair in in the middle of their brewery and low overhead. <laughs> yeah, low overhead. That's all that that's about. Yeah. And when you build like this if beautiful, if you forget your lawn chair, it stays as property of the brewery. There you go. Yeah. 
after a couple weeks of this, then we'll just have chairs for everybody. Yeah. Well, and like, I, I think Microphone, correct me if I'm wrong, they did a ton of, not contract brewing, but like gypsy brewing, where yep. they would, yep. he would go to a place, he wanted to brew their beer, because the, the, I can't recall his name, but I read an article about him. He's a huge collaborator. Mike. Mike. <laughs> like, like, Microphone. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know what his last name is, though. Idiot. Um, but he basically has built his For brand. For the record, that was Evan calling himself an idiot. That was me. Call, yeah, it was me. Call. <laughs> he has built his brewery on collaborations and relationships, which is just what you should do. And you can kind of see the success that he's had now in a definitely big market like Chicago that he's had. Sean's following suit. Yeah, that yeah business model. He kind of he continues to get a little bit more independent as he's moved along, and now he's got Phase Three, which. We were just talking before we started recording. Yeah, I almost got beer. stampeded trying to get a curvature sample at the <laughs> microphone beer fest. Oh, yeah. I got yeah, almost completely trampled. <laughs> I tried it, though. It was good. All the Sean Burns fanboys. That's Jeez. good. That's good when they have a lot of hype like that because yeah. he's a, got a proven record. I mean, he was at one of those, like, Ram breweries that's uh, a chain everywhere, and, like, people were lining up outside of basically an Applebee's <laughs> to be able to grab some of his beers, and then he went to... More, which still makes great beers, and they kind of probably educated some brewers there. To, yep. And that's great. I, I would hate to see that just, like, wither and die on the vine. And now he's got his own thing. So that's pretty That's pretty cool. But this is a, it's an inter- it, it, it provides an interesting discussion for what we probably see in craft beer now because, as you see, craft beer lose market share to wine and spirits. You're going to have to continue to define yourself in a very unique way like Funk Factory. I mean, they they kind of stick to, to what they make good and what they like, and they're not going to go outside that, and they make it pretty damn well. Yeah, they don't deviate from it at all, and they don't need to. Yeah, I mean, think about, too, like, speaking of Wisconsin, New Glarus. New Glarus could probably kill it by sending all their beer out in local states, but as soon as you cross the border, what's the first thing most people want to go grab at a gas station? Spotted cow. Absolutely. They want to go grab spotted cow. Absolutely. It's a good beer. It's not a it's not a it's not an amazing beer, yeah. but it's a great beer. You know, they they've kept that model to keeping it within Wisconsin for like a loyalty thing. Yeah. But it is also a smart business decision because totally. it keeps the demand to like a perfect amount a pitch, like within a nice where they're pitch. a perfect match with supply for yeah, right right when you enter Wisconsin, people are wanting to find a spotted cow on draft, get some at the grocery store. Um, Kenosha, Wisconsin has these Woodman's grocery stores that are just stacked to it because you have people coming up from Chicago suburbs or visiting Chicago that go to cross the, the state border just to get that. And if they expanded to the country, that would change all of that really, really I think quick. they would lose it. And I think if they ever do that, they're probably making a wrong move. Yeah. And I don't think his name is Dan Carney. Uh, uh, yeah. Carrie. 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 I, uh, him and his wife own the yep. brewery, which is like a little slice of Switzerland when you go up there. Yep. They've got such a beautiful, clean... I've never seen a cleaner brewery. And obviously, you want a clean brewery, but when you go there, it is spotless. Yeah. And they've got such a great place going in such a very unique, small, like, tiny town that if they ever went beyond that, I think that they would just lose that um, quaintness. Yeah. And even for me, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, Spotted Cow isn't anything crazy special. Um, It's a great, well-done beer at what it's supposed to be. But if we were able to get that in Illinois, and if it was on on It'd the tap on walls the where we go, it would sit on the shelf. And I know when I went to when I would go to Wisconsin, I probably wouldn't even drink it. I'd be like, oh, I can get that at home. But when I go to Wisconsin a couple times a year with my family, it is great to have a spotted Perfect. cow on draft or get a six pack and have it on the boat and stuff like that. Like yep. it's just a nice like pleasantry because you can't get it anywhere else, and it's just a good combination of of being up there. You got the like twenty four pack cans now. True. <laughs> It's nostalgic. Yeah, it is nostalgic. Absolutely. It reminds you of it's like, hey, I'm going north to go to the lake, or I'm going north to visit so-and-so, my grandpa, my grandma, my aunt and uncle up there, have a sausage, eat some cheese curds, go to a brewer's game, whatever it is. My, I remember my dad, who's not a huge craft beer drinker, two beers that that guy likes. He likes un, like, uh, Boulevard Wheat, uh, which, of course, in, in the Midwest is like, was like the craft beer to drink when you were oh, in yeah. Nebraska growing up. I shouldn't say growing beer up. Too. I didn't have it when I was a kid. <laughs> but yeah. That was one of the first like craft beers that yeah. I could like afford and really enjoy to drink. Smokestack that was series? Boulevard yeah. Wheat. Oh Sierra yeah, when Nevada. they came out with the Smokestack series and Love yep. Child, they started really getting, you know, as a um, 
it was like the Allagash White of the Midwest. It was just like perfect, yeah. and everyone loved it for it. And uh, then you have like my dad will go get New Glarus if he's up in Wisconsin. Yep. Be like, hey, I got some uh, spotted cow. It's great. And he came home, and I'm like, awesome. That sounds great. And when I was in Florida, just to have a Yingling, because we we don't get Yingling in Illinois yet. Maybe maybe Chicago gets it. I don't know, but I I think it's still limited to. We we can't get Yingling here. No, I six. I think it's I sixty five that is the cutoff. Interesting. East, only east of I sixty five, but it was great having a can of Yingling when I was down in uh, Florida. Just, yeah. You know, you get a little east and just something you know you're going to have, but it's fun and it's just kind of nostalgic and all that. Yeah. So we digress. No, we didn't. True. That was good. But uh, Valiant Brewing. Valiant. Man, it'd be yeah. nice to get uh, one of these annually or something like that. Cause I wonder is, how many of those are out in the wild. Though. I don't know. It's great beer. Yeah. That would be interesting. We can kind of poke and prod the uh, social media pages and see, like, you know, a post that's like, hey, who else has one of these out right. there? Just as curiosity. Like, Untapped had one check-in, I think, maybe two in 2019. Jeez. So it's... I bet yeah. that... And, and for that big of a beer, that had they to probably be a, made They probably made less than 1,000 bottles. Yeah. I mean, you think about how many... Speaking of, like, vanilla beers, like, how many Marshmallow Hangies of uh, Three Floyds pumped out this year? How much, What was the bottle count I of that? I think like it was two, tw- uh, 1,500, 1,300. Okay. Because oh, last, last year was like twenty seven or twenty eight hundred. It was and a little less than last they year. Made, they made a decent amount less this year. Yeah. But even that, like Three Floyds is a huge brewery. And Very to make big. 2,000 bottles of a beer like that, you know, to compare it to a place like this that ended up going out of business, like, yeah, this is probably six to 600, maybe 800 max. It's phenomenal. It's got a great mouthfeel. Great. It's not like toppling Goliath thick, but it's it's got nice legs to it. Speaking of Toppling Goliath. Yep. <laughs> the I don't get a ton of coffee. A little the, bit. As the more. base stout is very present, and I like that Russian Imperial sweetness that mixes well with the vanilla. I think it's uh, – I'd love to have another one. I mean, I think it's incredible. Well, thanks for the gracious share of that beer because that is a definitely a white whale, I bet. Yeah. As, as whales go. Whales with a Z. Z. So speaking of whale slayers, um, I think this was Ryan's 2018 top brewery of the year, Toplin Goliath. Assassin, which is their non-adjunct barrel-aged stout. It is a silver wax, but it's got kind of a red ninja label. Have you had this, Kyle? I have not. I went to Assassin Day with Ryan last year. But uh, yeah. I haven't had the newest one. You and Andy, yep. our friend Andy Lee. I remember we podcasted live. I was in my basement, and you guys were out in the cold. It was cold that day. It was cold that day. And really windy. Kind of like it is here today. Raining. <laughs> always. Always in Iowa. What did, what did uh, I, I heard the latest like the joke about Iowa. Dangerous dirt roads, no almond milk, and well-informed caucus goers. <laughs> and that was quickly made into a great t-shirt. So, dangerous dirt roads, no almond milk, and well-informed caucus scores. He is... He's struggling. Str- he's struggling. Open. There we go. Top and Glide <sighs> is uh, another brewery I was, I was actually a bit worried about because I thought they might have gone too big with their new brewery being in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere. It's so they get the giant crowds for Assassin Day for Morning Delight Day, but I can't imagine there's more than ten people in there on, on regular days. But they seem to be doing just fine. It's like they made that big, huge parking lot that's basically used for Assassin people Day. camping out for yeah. like Assassin KBBS and Morning Delight three times a year, and well, then same the bottle thing. show well, that I mean, happens, I, and then the rest of the time it's it's like ten people. Which but is fine. It, but again, you know, at least in Decorah now, you've got <laughs> Pulpit Rock is making a huge name for themselves. So you not only have one amazing brewery in this small, like, northeastern Iowa town, but then you also have Pulpit Rock. So you've got a beer destination city. And I think Jester King did a day where they were doing some, like, spontaneously fermented sort of hosting sites, and they chose Decorah as one of them. Breakout Brewery. That was in the latest episode, uh, episode uh, issue of Beer Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine. I still got that at home, and I haven't popped it yet. 
haven't opened it up. I uh, I was the magazine. I was flipping through it, and uh, there's an article Corey King talking about the secondary market when he was. Oh, uh, he's not a fan of that. He was scrolling through some untap ratings on OWK, and someone said it's not worth the thirty five hundred dollars <laughs> that paid for it. <laughs> four <laughs> four point five. Whoops. He still gave it a four point five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, four point five isn't worth thirty five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> it better be a five. It better be a six. <laughs> Damn it. Five point two five. Okay, so on to Assassin. Assassin. We've had a few issue, uh, iterations of Assassin here on this podcast. We've had the purple wax. We've had the orange wax. Orange wax. Yep. Orange wax, which was last year's purple wax, was the year before. Purple wax was great. Yep. Have we had more than those? No, except uh, I talked about Coconut Assassin yes. as uh, I think Undraft. it was maybe my beer of the year last year, and I might have talked about it on our uh, Assassin Day podcast last year. Um, but you did. That was your it. favorite of the Assassin Day yeah. adjuncts. I was lucky enough to do the uh, the no wine unlimited pours of Yellow Wax Assassin before anyone knew what Top and Goliath was. Oh, lordy! It was uh, Assassin. What, what year morning. was that? Third. 14, 15, 13? 13. 13. 13. I was going to yeah. say. 13. It was at the, the Midwest Belgian Beer Festival. They wow. had, um, you, you've told this uh, story. Morning Delight, Assassin, and uh, King Sue. No line. All you can drink. Because everyone was lined up where? I can't remember. Scratch was there. I remember Scratch being there. In 2013 or 14? They were even weirder than they are today. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it wouldn't have been side projects. Bless them. Maybe Allagash? Maybe. Because that's in St. Louis, right? Yeah. Allagash, Logsdon. Uh, I tell you what, when I was out in San Diego, I went to Tornado. I could have picked from so many beers at Tornado. They had Cable Car. I could have bought a bottle of Cable Car. But I went with two beers specifically. Fresh Pliny and Allagash White. And it did not disappoint. Yeah. I, was, I, I regretted nothing. Yeah. Nothing from that. So, even though whatever you could beer you have in mind for like the ultimate hype train that is a letdown, Allagash is like the opposite of that. Where it's there's just there's and no good. hype at all, and it's always phenomenal. It is it is the same beautiful beer that I had like oh I probably what go like eight years ago, and it didn't disappoint. Not at you all. could blind their fruited beers side by side with some. Big time lambics and things like that, and yeah. half the time Allagash would win, and no one cares about those. And yeah, they're still doing fine. But from well, I'm going to brew with him too. Do yeah, you, I could let you know about that. Oh, too. you did? Okay. No, I will. I will. A couple <laughs> weeks. Bust not the cool ship. Teaser. What? Bust not the cool ship. Uh, I don't. No, I don't. I, I, I don't oh, think there's going to be any cool, be cool ship if in they there. Did that. I said, hey, let's let's transfer to the cool ship. Yeah. <laughs> Take the wart yes, that we're doing here please. and take it down to Allagash and cool ship that. The, the 10 of you carry it by hand. <laughs> carry it by hand. <laughs> we'll take it over into the bay and like let the sea foam like uh, ferment that thing. Is that uh, the first brewers at Cantillon did? <laughs> yeah. Is it Distill that's doing the the mobile cool ship? Someone's doing a mobile cool ship where they're, they're driving it like across the country, like partially exposed Ooh. to inoculate it with that's America. Get, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quote that. Inoculate it with America. <laughs> Boy, I no, I, I don't know. I, I just want to be driving on I-55 and see a mobile cool ship pass me. <laughs> <laughs> or pass it. Kids, kids, look. <laughs> it's a cool ship. There's like, what? beer fermenting in there, kids. <laughs> Wart is turning into beer as we can. And that's why you won't be going to college. I'm, I'm going to spend way too much money on that one. We're going we're gonna to detour here. We're going to follow the cool ship. We're going to follow the cool ship. So you want to know about Dark Lord Day? I always want to know about Dark Lord Day because I've gone for now two years. I, I omitted this year. Thankfully, we had a representation of Pints and Provisions there. Um I was going to ask How if there's it? a live recording because I was a fan of the live recording from last year. There was not. <sighs> yeah, it, I mean, I was also too sober. It would have <laughs> been really dull. But you know what? I, I appreciate. I, I, I applaud Ryan and appreciate Ryan for even going because with you know newborn children at home, he made the day trip to get his allotment and leave, which is what most responsible Dark Lord Day goers do. 
And then there's the non-responsible ones who, of course, like we've seen. Uh, I, I can say that I think we've been responsible enough not to be one of the irresponsible ones. I would agree. We have not shown up on social media in a very poor light. but Or, or quote, lost our bottles and then tell everyone they got stolen. Oh, jeez. So what was it like? Well, it was a beautiful day for one. It was like it started 80, off at a beautiful 82, day. 83 degrees or whatever. I was only there for about two hours. Um, had family commitments and yeah. infant commitments and everything else. So uh, drove up with a uh, friend of the show, Aaron. Yep, Aaron Who Barr. will be on Sunday with our uh, our upcoming teaser teaser that we'll talk about teaser. briefly. Kyle will be there, too. Kyle will be there, too. There will be a lot of barrel-aged stouts. There will be a lot. Lots a lot of, of good stuff. Stouts. And so uh, we drove up. He had a wedding to get back to, and I had uh, family to get back to. So we were both Group C. It worked out really well to just say, hey, let's just make it a quick trip, drive yep. up and drive back and get our bottles. So uh, we got there about 1130, and... Um, I sold my ticket to Vito, who may be a listener now. We'll, we'll see. Hey-o. Um, but uh, nice Chicago guy. He hung out with us for a decent amount of the time we were there. And we uh, we meet, met up with a couple people we know. Brett, who will be here this weekend. And a uh, friend li- li- listener of the show. And then uh, some of the... Uh, Future brother-in-law. Some of the Indiana folks, DJ and Casey and Ravenscroft and some of those guys. Who shout out Hop Station at their Hop new Station. bar. Hop Station, yep. Opening... Opening anytime, anytime. next week or and two. And Mook Meadery. Mook Meadery. Mook Meadery. I was able to sample some Mook Meadery. We were supposed to have it for this one, but uh, he left it in the car. Oh, DJ. Tisk um, tisk. So, yeah. So, uh, they greeted me with a little pour of uh, 2014... Bourbon Vanilla Dark Lord. That's a nice hello. And then um, we really just kind of got in line for the Hanji 2019 pour that opened at uh, 1 p.m. Okay. Noon was Lodestar. And the line was probably 500 people long. Jeez. So we knew we wouldn't be able to get that. Toasted coconut and Sautern whiskey barrels? Well, so it's whiskey whiskey. It's a whiskey that was finished in Sautern barrels. So I think it was... A normal oak-aged whiskey that then had maybe a couple of months in Sauturn. Do they just find these barrels and then like Gosh, and like reverse engineer? I don't the know beer, if it has yeah. to based I, on I, the I, barrel. Like that is a perfect word for the way that they're. <laughs> like we just have to buy so many barrels, we're just gonna take what we get and yeah. then just figure out what to do with them afterwards. They just send a letter to all the distillers out there and whoever has excess. Hey, do you send like heavy metal? Yeah. Do you like barrel do you like heavy metal? We'll make it. And so. uh so the Lodestar, we knew we couldn't make that, so we just said, let's just go stand in line. It was a beautiful day out. We just kind of hung out. We had a couple pours. I brought uh, open spaces from Side Project, the nice 46-month-aged Flanders. Flanders, not Oudbrun, Flanders. Monster. Monster um, great beer. It was a huge hit. Passed that around to a lot of people, and um, everyone was like, holy cow, I did not think this would be. That beer is 46 months old, and they released it when the brewery was about 18 months old. Right. Was that... That is the most mind-blowing thing about that beer. Sitting yep. in his kitchen at yeah. home. or <laughs> yeah. And so I know, Kyle, we've had it together it's before. Phenomenal. We've always just talked about how amazing that beer is and how it gets no hype, no love, no one cares well, because, about it. Because, because it's a Flanders. Flanders every, no Who one gives a crap? No one looks at a Flanders and be like, oh, yeah, like big, big time like beer. But that thing, the age that that thing has on it's it. It's like is BBT incredible. Batch 1 that first came out. It's like, oh, a few people had it on draft, <laughs> like nine months ago and no one liked it so there's yeah. no way this can be good oh wait it's a barrel aged beer by Corey King I'm sure it's going to be just fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the first and only time Ryan's ever let so, me down I know <laughs> I uh I learned it's my lesson terrible on tap rating trusting you don't want the hype train on that one but uh just, so yeah just so get one that was one I was just like this is what was I would love was to share with other good. people Lodestar was great yeah open spaces blew people's mind which was fun to just bring it and share with other people that hadn't had it. And then um, we did not get a pour of Lodestar, but a couple people that were, I think they were probably waiting in Lodestar and then cut behind us with some friends, Yep. brought over some pours of Lodestar to get back in line for Hanji because we were probably like 30 or 40th in line for Hanji at that point. Yeah. So I got to try that. Coconut bomb, really, really good. Oh, always love um, coconut. Ended up being the variant that I got to take home, so I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah. And then we got the Hanji draft. Um, then went and picked up our bottles and hit the road. Hit the road. So had a couple. Did couple you have any food? Pours. Had no food. 
Yeah, the food's always really good at there was, Dark Lord Day. They had food. I mean, same thing as last year. Mix of food trucks and Three Floyds food. Um, Which, yeah, those stations of Three Floyds food that I that I raved about last year was like, you go to this tent over here and they've got, you know, like Korean style yep, like barbecue tacos. And so they have like a literally like just a food line. And so it's very efficient. Yep. You don't have to wait very long for uh, food. The one over by our draft tent was like a Thai-themed food. That's such good food. Uh, I would food take menu, my kids there. Buy, buy three Floyds. And I want them to wear. I want them to appreciate and love heavy metal too. Yeah. So that's a plus. <laughs> yeah. So uh, good, there, well-run festival. There was a heavy metal band that couldn't make it because one of their members got in like a motorcycle accident, yep. so they couldn't they be canceled there. Canceled right before and replaced by someone else. I heard. Did they? Yeah. yeah. They filled that time slot. But really well-run festival, as always. Um, it was really easy to get in and out of. It's, that's ama- That's the what ID, is really I mean, amazing. The, I, even just from the start, you've got ID checkers where, like, there's one right when you walk up, and then five people want to stop and wait for them to get checked by this person, and the guy's immediately like, keep on walking. There will be someone else to stop you. Like, do not hold up traffic yeah. for this yeah and then you just see there's literally like 10 more id checkers as you continue walking down the line they're like this will not be a line that takes long so don't stop and wait for anybody someone will stop you don't worry and yeah. literally like you basically don't get stopped at all they check your id really quick someone that's open and free and then they check your bag and you go in i mean it's just smooth sailing from the get-go yeah. um everyone looked like they were enjoying the food Always. The chemtrail mix ice cream was supposedly oh. one of the best food menu items there. We were talking about going to get it, but we kind of had to hit the road. So, um, bottle line was super fast and efficient as always. I mean, th- we talk about this a lot. It's just a you know, for especially for ten thousand people, it's outdoors. It's an open bottle share, so people can really drink as much as they want. And some do. And some do. <laughs> they really do a job controlling the chaos, keeping everything really, really well flowing and everything else. So. Yep. And then we hit the road, and within like an hour, I guess, it got downpoured. Oh, yeah. Storms were bad. It oh, yeah. shut power off there, so oh. like they couldn't serve. Music was down, and they couldn't serve food or, or drinks for like 30 or 45 minutes, I heard. Really? We missed all that, but then we got held up on the road because it was just pouring, so we had to drive yeah. slow. But other than that, it was... Uh, well-run day by by Three Floyds, as always, and I got four Dark Lords and a Lodestar to go home with. Oh, my God. Yep. Very cleared. Well, good. Yep. I like the recap. Well, maybe next year we'll be back. We'll have to see. I tell you that Mother's Day always is a very sticky holiday around Dark Lord Day. If they were smart, they would maybe push it back farther or maybe do it earlier, but weather is always an issue, and... Frankly, I don't think they really care about Mother's, Mother's Day, Day this year. No, I know, but it's always it, close. In last around. year, the year before, it was two years two ago. Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago, and I made it back. I was going to say don't we worry, left I, at like six thirty or seven a.m. Yeah. Sunday morning. I still hear about it, but I made it back. Yeah. I was okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, other Be than the, the rain that actually wasn't even forecasted, was a perfect day, and I think uh, people really enjoyed it. Just being in shorts and being outside. I mean. That's always nice. People in the Chicago area don't get that that much. <laughs> I know we say that. It's a very brief We're only window. two hours south of here, but I feel like we get about another month of summer than they do. And uh, when it really gets warm and going in the early part of the year, they uh, they go pretty pretty uh, excited for it. So before we leave and before we sign off, how is this assassin? As good as always, I as thought. As good as always. I feel like it's got a touch more carb than usual. Just a touch more. I would carb. have said the carbs a little higher and the mouth feels a little thinner. Yeah, there's definitely not. Um, I'm not getting the that last, berry. I was gonna say that last. The last two years have had a little bit of that dark fruit, like a plum and like berry. Dark, yeah. Dark um, fruit, plum. That's missing. A lot of people don't like that, so that's missing. So some people will be, you know, appreciate appreciating the absence of that. I think it's terrific. Uh, the barrel is plenty present. Oh, huge. I love that. It's balanced. It's not boozy at all. I think these are typically 13%-ish, maybe 12. Yeah. Can't, I mean. Still well done. Yeah. I was listening to uh, I was listening to our, our Chicago episode where we had BBT2. Or not Chicago, but our Chicago guest Rick came down 
uh, RP3. And we drank BBT2, and you're saying that this is one of those beers that you could drink alone and finish the whole bottle because it's so easy to drink. And I would say this Assassin is very similar to that. I just love the uh, long stare that this guy here, the ninja on Assassin, gives you. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of matches your shirt. There you go. All right, gentlemen. So, so Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Us three are going to be there. Uh, we'll post a, what, just like a teaser picture of what we got lined up. Let's just say there's a lot of barrel and there's a lot of um, stout. And a lot of St. Louis. So a lot of St. Louis. A lot Louis. of St. Louis. So we got together with a... A lot of hype. <laughs> we got together with a group of people who are all mutually uh, interested in doing a lot of... And I think Ryan initiated this, but it was a lot of... Um, let's compare all of these. We've got some perennial mamans, uh, the 1718... And the wine and cheese and place variant. And the wine and variant. cheese place variant, which was a smaller barrel or a single, like a pickup barrel. barrel. Double barrel. Oh, okay, well, see, that's where my knowledge stopped. And then we've got BBT... One and two. One and two. So there's going to be a whole hell of a lot of barrel and a whole hell of a lot of stout um, and a few people who we're going to be really happy to have drinks with here at Poor Brothers. Should be fun. It's so going to be a great time. Blind taste tester. We're going to do blind. We'll report back soon blind. and we'll see where the hype really, really Holy should cow. be. So who's going to be the unblinded to pour these? I think I might volunteer for it, but we have a way to do it where we can all be blind. So. Sock monkeys? No. <laughs> One pours it and labels them. And then the next person labels them with something different and doesn't know what they are, and then hands them out. I like it. I like it. That's like you doing a double-blind placebo control. Mod seventeen yeah. could be letter A, and I say, okay, here's letter A, and then Kyle can come up and say, okay, letter A equals one. Yeah. And then all right. he does is hand out, here's glass one, but I don't know what. All one you got to do is have two blind a. people. Yep. There you go. All right, we got to figure it figured out. You know, math is not a strong uh, suit for all of us. Science My is. My pronunciation Science is Kyle, strong either. Kyle, Co- I'm going to rely on Kyle is not this. the name of a beer. <laughs> Quantarium. Quantarium. <laughs> Delicious stuff. So is Assassin. So is Aslan. We've got others we probably won't get into, but yeah, that's okay. They'll always be good for another day. So, Kyle, Ryan, see you Thanks, on Sunday. Kyle. Cheers. Thanks, Four Brothers. Thanks, Cheers. Four Brothers.